Uh, so yeah, so to your point, Rafa, there's a lot of rumors right now about uh, the Knicks acquiring Donovan Mitchell, Utah looking to blow this thing up after they uh, got a, a King's ransom for, for Rudy Gobert from the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, uh, you, you know, the, the rumor was, you know, four players, six picks. Uh, that, so the negotiations are ongoing. So before we kind of get into that dynamic, I guess, what do you think is the ceiling of a Knicks team with Donovan Mitchell? With Donovan Mitchell, we are pretty solid as a low-level playoff team, six, seven, eight. That means we either six um, firmly in, seven we had a play in, which we could possibly win, or even eight, same situation. At a playoff level, I mean, at a play-in level where we could actually win the two games necessary to get in. Um it's that, that that's pretty much it. I can't see us going any higher than that based on the teams that are ahead of us. And we're still going to be looking for some teams to take a little tumble <laughs> for us to get there. Um, the East has gotten better. Teams have uh, made some good, some good transactions. You have Charlotte who I believe will take a step back, not, not to any doing of their own self, but one of their players decided to go, wacko and you know become a, a basically a felon and uh he's probably going to spend some time in a penitentiary and if not uh, you know based on what he allegedly did if it all comes to truth uh he will probably not be in the league so therefore they're going to have a big void there because he was like their best player last year um you have cleveland I think they could come a little bit back down to earth. I, I, it's either that or Evan Mobley is going to become so much better that they continue to stay on that same trajectory. Um, their draft wasn't that great. I think um, uh, Ochai and uh, Okoro are kind of the same guy, basically, except uh, uh, Ochai might be a better shooter. Um but it remains to be it remains to be seen at the NBA level. So, uh, I can see as firmly as uh, we could go anywhere from six to eight. I definitely believe one hundred percent you're a play-in team. But I believe that we could actually make the playoffs with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I I agree. That I, I I've said it before on the pod and even on on, on spaces and everything. We had a pretty bad season last year there were the first half of the season well the first two games of the season were a dream we're, well, we're going to make the playoffs easily and then it all came crushing down COVID okay everybody had every team had a COVID cases but the Knicks had them as well so it's a thing that made us lose uh, quickly wish well shocking the first half of the season he wasn't making shots my theory with quickly playing so poorly was, in my opinion, due to the Kemba Walker signing. The Kemba Walker signing was something that came on and as a last minute because OKC decided to buy out two years of 30-something million dollars. It's, they're still paying him. They're going to pay him for this year for the most part. And that made him available, and we signed him. By doing so, it threw off the whole dynamic. Now, quickly was either going to be our starting point guard, I, and I don't really think that, I really do believe that they was going to start Derrick Rose, though, and quickly was going to be his primary backup. But if we remember when the season started, Quick's role was really um, diminished because you had Kemba starting and Derrick was yeah. coming off the bench before he got hurt. He was the first guard off the bench, and Quick's minutes were not really what he may have attended or the role that he was preparing himself to have. And as a young player, that could really toss your psyche. And maybe that was really a, a good part of the reason for that extremely poor start to the season last year. Yeah, I, I agree. That thing he was playing with Burks and Rose, it, it didn't uh, it didn't work out as perfectly for him. But he did have a bad start and he improved along the season. Uh, as I mentioned, RJ didn't had a, the greatest start. He's uh he was went what twenty games without yeah. hitting a three or something like that, which is unbelievable. Since after January, he had an amazing uh, well, he had an amazing rest of the season. 
Uh, Randall, well, we all knew what happened with Randall, but he still gave great numbers. Uh, not looking at efficiency, he still gave numbers. Fournier was all over the, the place. I can't believe a guy like nobody is uh, that hot on Fournier, but he beat the record for three pointers as a New York Nick. And he had a pretty, well, we didn't, some people expected him more from him offensively and, and defensively as well, the first unit. He didn't come through. Mitch, that experiment was, the, the big Mitch was a bad experiment. Noel was nowhere to be seen. Uh, we had to throw in uh, Sims uh, way too raw. So there was a lot and of problems, basically. We had a lot of problems last year. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. We still, we had a shocking season from everything went, went wrong that last year. Let's face it. Everything went wrong. And we still almost squeaked into the play-ins. We were a few games. So with the Donovan Mitchell and the Brunson as well, and um, we're, we're a playoff team because we're, or at least we're yeah. right in the middle of it. We're not a worse team than uh, any of the teams we, you, we mentioned. Uh, we're having good nights. Mitchell has a good night. Brunson's playing well. Well, uh, the team is uh, playing well together. I'm j- we're throwing Mitchell into this team. This the People will back, get back into this podcast and see. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, Tom Knicks fans, uh, when he doesn't come here. But, okay, even with Brunson, even only with Jalen Brunson addition and Hartenstein as well at uh, and, healthy Mitch, oh, I think yeah. we can make the playoffs. Yes, and a healthy so. Rose, if, if he's still here as well, you know what I'm saying? Because he still is very vital, especially down the end of games, you know. But Brunson alone will change that, um, the end of games. Um, not having Rose last year was big, too. I mean, blowing, like, I mean, how many, we had to have to blown the most 20-point leads in the second half of any team we blew I, I mean, I'd have to say it was at least 12 games where we had the lead um, down the stretch in the last five minutes. So if you just win half of those, I mean, you're a 42-win team pretty easily So from last year. And, and even it, it, the fact that other teams have gotten a little, uh, you know, better, I believe that we've got better as well and, and better at the position that, that was most highly needed, the point guard position. So. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned 37 wins without a real point guard for most of the year. I mean, Kemba was an unmitigated disaster, a shell of himself, and you had Alec Burks just playing out of position for the rest of the time. But that goes to show to how Tibbs likes longer, taller Mm -hmm. players. So I I just don't see how he's now going to want to be two six-one guys. But we have to do it because it's Mitchell. Right. What this kind of brings up to me. So you guys are basically saying, like, even if they get them, maybe they're the sixth seed, right? Like that's that's the ceiling of what they can be this year. Like maybe they they overthrow Chicago for that sixth seed, right? Right. And so is that really worth four players and six picks? Right? Is is my question. And I think we the answer that is no. You know, not really. But so I yeah. So what do you guys see a package of for Mitchell looking like realistically that actually gets the deal done? Well, my deal that I have put out there for the longest time, uh, which now has taken another hit. And it's mainly because part of the deal that I had was going to have us giving Utah the rights to the, the draft rights to Rokas Jokobitis to Utah, which I figured he could actually supplant an, uh, either a pick or another player because I think that he would be a good player for Utah. But I just heard that Utah just signed an Italian um, point guard uh, from the Euro League for $6.2 million or something like that. I forget the name, but this is something that just went down and was announced today that the Utah Jazz signed a, a European, an Italian um point guard so my my thought of them maybe w- even wanting Rokas as part of the deal that would lighten our load a little bit now is a little bit out the window so I, I've always had it that we're going to send at least um, more than likely Fournier has to go um, Derek doesn't, doesn't have to go in this particular deal and I don't know if we're going to plan on doing Derek that dirty again by 
trading him again to Utah. Remember, he was traded to Utah before and cut in one day. You know, uh, I, I don't think this this front office is going to treat Derrick Rose in that fashion. But um, Fournier, I had Cam and Grimes going. I said they could even have Deuce if they want. And I was throwing in those draft rights to Rokas and five first-round picks, two to three unprotected. But um, that may have to step up now to six picks if we want. And, I, and my goal, of course, was to try to keep OB and try to keep IQ. And the reason why I say IQ, because wouldn't it seem just very funny that the guy who spent his whole summer recruiting a guy for your mm -hmm. team, you're not going to turn around and trade him for that guy <laughs> when it really seems like these two guys are very, very good friends and would probably enjoy uh, the ability to play with each other, even if since Quick will be coming off the bench, then trading for each other. Unless uh, those all those meetings with uh, Donovan and, and IQ was about Donovan explaining to uh, to IQ the, the good places to eat in Utah. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> what they were doing, <laughs> but it, to me it would seem for it seems to me that quickly would be a guy you want to keep. He is endeared by the organization, and he is endeared by most of the other players in the NBA. They love this guy. I, I don't know what the appeal is, but he could be your most effective recruiter when it comes to getting the next star player because apparently he did a very good job of it by, by getting Donovan Mitchell so, so easily secure around here in New York and hanging around with him in the Hamptons and here and there and what have you. I just don't see them now saying like, okay, y'all did all this and thank you IQ for selling uh, Donovan on New York. Uh, have fun in Utah. I just don't think that that's yeah, the case. I don't see it either. I don't see it either. Right. So that's my that's my thing. I'd like mm -hmm. to keep IQ and OB, but it may come down to one or the other unless we could throw in extra picks. But and I had Rokas being maybe an extra throw in that we could offer because I thought maybe that could be something appealing to them. But now with this new signing that they just made today, I don't know if that will move the needle for them any. I think it makes perfect sense what you said about IQ. Not, they're, they're not trading IQ. But if what we talked about before makes sense about if we got Mitchell as well trading uh, Julius Randle, it doesn't make sense to trade OB right, as well. Right. Uh, RJ is right. off the question. So that leaves Cam, Grimes, Deuce, right. and no, Sims. No, Sims can't be traded neither. I don't believe unless... Unless it works differently because he signed from a two-way. As far as I know, if you sign as a free agent, you're not eligible to be traded until like December, sometime in mid-December. Yeah. So I don't think he's entering as well. Yeah, good, good point. Um, so the young guys, it's Grimes, Cam, and McBride. And Keels, if for some and reason. He's a two-way. Could we trade yeah. him off and, from a two-way? Uh, I don't think you could do that. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I've never seen it happen. So I don't know if it's even eligible. So our young guys aren't as... Uh, the, because if it doesn't make sense for OB or IQ, because in points of uh, trading Randall and IQ, if he uh, was recruiting recruiting um, Donald Mitchell. So you need to give up, give up the picks. Or eight. And then you get five Oof. or six picks. Seven. Or seven. I, I don't know. It's, uh, you got to hold on to one of them just for just for appearance sake. We have eight that sure. we could trade. If you have to wind up giving him all eight, it looks like he just totally won. You know, you got to at least be able to hold back one for whatever the reason is. Eight, eight picks for Donovan Mitchell excessive, seems a little excessive. Exactly. A little. Even... Most of those picks are right. late picks. So, but still, eight picks seems excessive. And uh, I'm really on the fence about this trade. Really on the fence because eight picks, it's, I mean, I don't know, eight picks and the guys, uh, even if we trade all three guys plus IQ or Obi or whatever, it's a lot. that seems like a, a, a assets for, uh, well, not this Kevin Durant, but an old Kevin Durant. 
for a Giannis, for a Luca. I mean, if if you need eight picks for a guy like Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell's a great player, he's top 20. Can how could we even trade people because people have been talking about it? Um, how can we even trade for a guy like right. Zion? It's impossible. How many picks do you need? You need yours, you need OKCs, and everybody else. So these trades are getting out of hand. I, I've said it on Twitter. Danny Ainge is, has ruined the trade market. Has ruined well, it. Minnesota, Minnesota, by acquiescing to to that to that deal, is the ones who actually really ruined it. Danny Ainge is going to ask for what he asked for. Mm-hmm. Minnesota actually did it. <laughs> That's the problem. That's crazy. Yeah, the That's Minnesota crazy. thing is crazy because they have a new ownership group. They're trying to make a splash. You know, they're trying to say, "Hey, we're we're all in. We're trying to get this. You know, multiple time defensive player of the year, right?" And here, take all these picks. We don't care. For what you guys are saying to me, you know, you throw in these garbage firsts that you've gotten recently. You know, the the protected Detroit pick, the protected Washington pick, the Dallas pick, and if you have to give up, I guess two to three or more, I guess of your own unprotected, sure. But it's on the surface, it looks bad. You're like, man, seven picks. That's that's a lot of picks. You know, even though three or four of them might not convey to anything really. You know, some Very of them true. might convey to just second round picks eventually. And um, it's really to be the players as well. You know, we have a fascination with our young players. You know, yes. we love all these guys. Right? We we watch them develop. And Grimes, I think, is is the one that everybody seems locked in on is that he's probably going to be moved uh, just because his archetype makes sense in the NBA. He's cheap for another few years. It's not like RJ where he's coming up on an extension. He's coming up to get paid. Cam is also going to be in that in that, in that realm as well. Cam is going to be looking to get paid. Yeah, same thing. The only mm-hmm. reason why I think Cam going there is good is because he would get the opportunity there possibly rehab to, his value. Yeah, yeah. Because here, once Donovan mm-hmm. is here and RJ is now solidified as our three, it, you know, and you know RJ is going to play at least like 32, 33 minutes a game minimal. minimal that only yeah. leaving you about. 16, 17 minutes. And if your Cam Red is trying to get a next deal and show that you could be a type star that you think that you are, I cannot see 17 minutes being something. I mean, he came here from Atlanta. He was playing more in Atlanta. He is yet to play at that level, not the level of play, but I mean the time, you know, playing time. He is yet to really get that here. He was yeah, getting twenty yeah. about 24 minutes a game in Atlanta. And why did he act out of Atlanta? Because he wanted more playing time and to start. And then we're going to have him here be a backup to his brother, which is R.J. Barrett. <laughs> That's his Duke brother. To yeah. play backup to him for 16 or 17 minutes a game when he's going into a contract year himself trying to get paid, there is no way that, that his that his camp is going to go for that. Even if no he wanted to go for that, his camp is not going to let him do that. They're going to ask Well, that's just poor management, right? You know, like, you got to get yourself out there to show that you're worth more than yeah. $10 million a year, you know? And, <laughs> and so... Now, I want to shift gears a little bit to the competition for Donovan Mitchell. Um, you know, earlier on, on our group chat, I, I kind of joked that, like, the Miami Heat are basically, like, the supervillains of the NBA free agency. You know, you're always oh, afraid that they're going to do something. So, oh, obviously, God. there's been talk about a package that Miami's going to put together, which is honestly kind of laughable. They don't have the picks the Knicks have. They don't have the young assets that the Knicks have. Like, you're going to throw Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, hope for the best. You know, like, what? what is that? So do you guys see uh, Miami as a potential landing spot, especially if they can piece together a third team to kind of uh, make it work? Man, now Pat Riley has been known to pull a rabbit out of Hatson, but he will really have to be pulling a rabbit out of something <laughs> because, I mean, what is he going to use to get a unprotected first-round picks from any other team? I mean, he only could trade three picks right now. And I don't know if all of them are protected or unprotected. If, if it's their own picks, I guess those three could be unprotected. But if Utah is looking for a haul of at least six picks, that means that they would still have to acquire like three more first-round picks 
without trying to trade Bam, without trying to trade Jimmy Butler. Now I don't know what their feelings are about Kyle Lowry. I would I would imagine that he would be expendable. But who the heck wants thirty seven year old Kyle Lowry at twenty eight million dollars a year? Who wants that? Who's going to give you an unprotected first round pick to get that? Matt Struess, Gabe Vincent. This is uh, Duncan Robinson, who had a very poor year last year. These, this is what he's looking to play with to try to get unprotected first-round picks from another team. Now, I don't know what kind of drugs some of these front offices use, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping it's not one that will uh, get them hallucinating enough that they would trade unprotected first-round picks to the Miami Heat for the likes of those players. That's my take on it. Oh my God, I love it. It's just uh you you said it said everything I agree with. It's uh when Omar approached it with this uh he knew what he was doing when he approached with this uh heat villain thing, uh Pat Riley villain thing, because uh I don't know don't know if you saw if you both saw the trade that was coming up with the, the heat getting uh Mitchell. It was a fourteen trade <laughs> and uh Conley was getting out as well. Like, what? What the hell was this trade? This could need could couldn't even happen. It's impossible to have it to happen. And I was thinking, the Knicks, because obviously, imagine if we uh, kept quickly, if we keep Rose and everything, maybe we can get into this the, a, th a three team trade as well. Like, give Rose to someone else or uh, uh, trade Randall in a three team trade and. The other guys give picks to the to right. the to the Jazz. So we can picks. do this, that as well, and we have a lot more assets. Exactly, we can do a lot because the, the idea we didn't even mention the idea of getting Mitchell is because he will attract another star if RJ doesn't come up to right. that star level himself. But but so we can do a three three team t uh, trade as well. And tell you what, trading Tyler Hero, uh, the Heat. Tyler Hill will want to get paid. Hundred million. Fully. He will. He wants max dollars. And don't uh, Omar knows. I, I went off on a Man. group chat today how Tyler Hero is not You're just basically a disrespecting everybody on the Heat roster. He should. Man. That's, that's basically what you started to do. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I was a. Bit, I was. A bit, and I'm not the greatest Heat uh, hater. Here, like I hate so, the Heat. And I, you know, I went I, off. Like, like, I can't stand them. But no. So here's the funny thing. It's like. If Utah's endgame is like devil's advocate me here for a second, guys. If Utah's yeah. endgame is we want to be the worst possible team so we can get Victor Wembanyama next year, right? They got isn't, some tough competition with San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. So isn't the idea like, hey, if we just make Tyler Hero our centerpiece and our only scoring option, aren't isn't that the worst team in the NBA? I mean, if if you're as down on Tyler Hero as you say you are, right? And they got to get above the salary floor, you know, to, you know, for certain things. So, you know, that could be like the weird monkey wrench where it's like, hey, you signed this like marginal player to be the guy and you're still a, a poor performing team. So I don't know, man, like whenever it comes to like, remember before we signed Brunson, there was like that little rumbling about that he was going to meet with the heat. And like, I yeah. was terrified because they're the fucking super villains of the NBA free agency. They're <laughs> just going to come Riley. in. It's Pat Riley for whatever That's reason. Pat Riley comes with a little slick back hair and he's just going to come out here and, and wow him, put the rings on the table and say, Hey, come and play with fucking Jimmy Butler. Let's do it right now. You know? And, and uh, that's what scares me about the Heat. They're, they're always kind of involved, you know. And, they're always um, looming. They're looming. They're in the background there. And if you're Utah, the only benefit of not going to the Heat, or one of the benefits of not going with the Heat is their draft picks are going to suck because they're the Good. best run organization in the league. You know, <laughs> so they, were, they don't they were lose the a lot. One seed last year. I mean, exactly. I mean, you still. I'm still trying to figure this out. Max Struess. <laughs> and Gabe Vincent, these guys, I, I, and they was the number one. They paid a yeah. guy ninety something million dollars to sit on the bench in, in the playoffs. Hey man, yeah, that, that's that's insane to me. You know, like, and I saw that that one the leak about the whole uh, that uh, unprotected first round pick for Duncan Robinson. I'm like, if Duncan Robinson's getting unprotected first, what is Evan Fournier getting? That's because what uh, that's what I need to know, you know. So, that doesn't make any 
makes sense. <sighs> it's when it's crazy to me. It's yeah. it's the narratives. It's can you imagine if it was the Knicks signing a guy like Duncan Robinson and sitting him on the bench? Well, look at the Kemba thing. Look no further than the Kemba thing. The the yeah. backlash that we got when we benched him. Oh, that wasn't even a long term deal. How different? How different is the Kemba situation to the Laurie situation? Not really uh, different. Laurie didn't come up. It's different. The only way it's different is because they had a high expectations for Kyle Laurie, and they're paying him almost thirty million dollars. Yeah. That's the thing. He did. He didn't do what what is asked, asked of him. So that's why they want to trade him. They would. They already want to trade. I don't know. Brutus said it. Who's going to take Kyle Laurie? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe LeBron James is desperate and wants him. I don't know. They should have to attach an asset to get rid of Kyle Lowry at this point. How are you getting – how could they possibly expect to get an unprotected first-round pick for a guy who his age actually showed last year? His age, especially when they needed him the most in the playoffs, his age showed. He was injured and he couldn't play. If the Lakers could get rid of Westbrook. Well, that's the three-team deal that a lot of people are talking about. Lakers, Knicks, and Jazz, where the Jazz just take Westbrook and his expiring deal. And, of course, seven draft picks, but only five come from us and two come from L.A. Um, L.A. gets Fournier. L.A.'s going to suck. Uh, yeah. I would take uh, um, uh, L.A. gets Fournier. Derrick Rose and Jordan Clarkson, and we get, of course, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gay. I have so no that issues with that deal. That I seen up there. That's the three teams. I, no I, I would do that deal. I would do that yeah, exactly. deal in a heartbeat. While we're uh, on the subject of just spicy uh, takes around this trade and everything, something that's kind of been. Uh, gnawing at me a little bit about this is like the the national media uh coming out and uh and saying that now that the knicks quote unquote have to acquire mitchell so that yeah so that people like stephen a smith or people on espn you know don't make a mockery out of them uh i think that's like pretty ridiculous you know first of all i I personally as a nick fan don't really care what stephen a has to say about the team but thank you um, uh, but yeah, I guess what you guys make of like the optics of the team not pulling the trigger on the Mitchell deal? You know, at first I was thinking if this deal fell through, if he winds up staying in Utah, there's really no no sweat off of anybody's back. If he winds up with Miami or Brooklyn, which some people are still trying to throw a scenario out there where Brooklyn could end up with Mitchell, it would put a little egg on our face and we're going to have to hear it from them. But I am still not all of that upset over that. I I'm, I kind of like this team where we are now, especially if we want to see RJ ascend to what we believe that he could be or what he believes he could be. Because as we discussed earlier, if this deal is made for Donovan, he moves down the total, you know, the pecking order uh, to a degree where it's not going to allow him to be his greatest self um, of what he could become. And then we have a very, very, uh, we have a mystery guy, similar to the Shaden Sharp, even though there's been four years of kind of seeing this guy around, Cam Reddish is an enigma. You know what I'm saying? Could Cam Reddish be as dynamic, you know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe not as dynamic as a Mitchell, but good enough being that he believes he's like an all-star and we know that he has the talent level and the skill level to be that. And he's playing with his brother, RJ Barrett, who now could maybe ascend to that what he wants to be. Would we be better off just seeing how that is and keeping our picks and everything? Maybe wait till 2025 when Giannis becomes a free agent and try to make a move for somebody like Giannis and taking the place of a Julius Randle at that point oh, in time. Man, talk about the biggest upgrade of all time. <laughs> My God. I mean, even making a trade for him. Maybe maybe me- Milwaukee's run ends after this year. And maybe the following year they take a, a, a big step down 
Giannis says, you know what? I'm not re-signing with you guys. So now they got to make a trade for Giannis out there. When you want to have all your, your, your bullets in your chamber, if something like that was to happen, as opposed to spending it on Donovan Mitchell, who is a slight upgrade to the possibility of what we believe um, RJ could be come. Now, RJ isn't that yet. But I'm just saying, based on what we feel RJ's projection is, Donovan Mitchell is a slight upgrade over that projection. Now, we've spent the house now to get a slight, you know, upgrade from what RJ would be. And we throw away a guy who's a long wing, which we could use, especially on the defensive end, and Cam Reddish, who might be able to, you know, Cam has played with other superstars. Matter of fact, remember, he played with, with RJ and he's played with um, Zion at the same time and found a niche in there. He didn't become that all-world guy there, but he was able to fit in and do a job with them. He played with uh, uh, Trey Young in, in, in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? So he go, he knows how to fit in. It's not like he's going to be a guy, yes, he wants to get his shine, and he can at least be in a starter on the New York Knicks and maybe he can average 15 to 17 points or what have you. But RJ now has the ability to do that 25 points and really become the star that we think he is. Now, how much more is Donovan over that RJ? I don't think it's that much difference. So why put out your house? And then two years from now, like I said, um, Giannis, his team is, you know, taking a little downturn, decides to be like, yo, listen, I've, I've dealt with this challenge in Milwaukee. I don't believe I'm going to be resigning here. And now the, the Milwaukee Bucks have to get a trade package for Giannis and move him before they lose him for nothing. And we have nothing to work with now because we gave it all to Utah for Donovan Mitchell. That is something that I'm fearful. And that's like the big question, like this, the big skepticism I've had about this trade, which is, like we, everybody seems to be in agreement that if you acquire Donovan, you're not a top four team in the East, right? Just based on the level of competition. And what are we doing here? You know, like if the, if it's like, if you put a chips in the middle of the table move for a guy that's going to take you into the top four, you know, and, and you're trying to win now. And if it's like, you could make the argument that this team is a playing team without Mitchell and potentially a playing team with Mitchell. Okay. So then why are we sacrificing all these picks? And exactly. why are we sacrificing a young player like Quentin Grimes or, or I mean, Deuce McBride, who knows what he's going to be, but, you know, or like Obi Toppin or an Emmanuel quickly, it just, uh, it feels like it would reek of desperation where maybe like the front office thinks something's about to happen. The Knicks nicking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some Knicks shit, basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very true what you're saying. And, and I, I believe that this team without Mitchell, without Donovan Mitchell, can still but be a still playoff team. still reach the same potential. Same potential. With, with the addition, because that's the thing, with the addition of exactly. Jalen Brunson. If we didn't have Jalen Brunson, it would be a different story. But having Jalen Brunson, it might be a concern having a small lineup. We, it's just... I don't like the idea of uh, Leon Rose giving into the pressure of having a star, bringing a star, a star to New York just to have one. I don't like that because I think it might be, might be a uh, long run, might do us more harm. Exactly than my point. Yeah. Yes. That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it. And Mitchell is a great player. I would love to have yes. Mitchell on this team, but if you and you said it, I, I wrote an article a few a few weeks ago. I said this: you bet on Donovan Mitchell if you think that are none of your guys on your team can reach that level. And I think R.J. Barrett at can least reach close, that level, or close enough that you don't have to give up all these picks. The thing too is like it's such a Knicks thing to get the not quite that guy superstar. We want LeBron James. We get Carmelo Anthony. No disrespect to Melo, obviously. No, but no disrespect. He's not LeBron James. But yeah, I would do this trade if it was for Melo, because Melo would make us not the six. Would make us. The... I mean, like we want Kevin Durant. We get Julius Randle. You know that. Like, this is what happens. This is. 
you know, and again, it's like, I'm not trying to say these players are bad players, but no, you, you're doing these type of things where you're trying to acquire a big fish because you're, you're New York city, you're, you know, you're the Knicks and everything. And, you know, it's a big market and, you know, maybe we just say like, okay, look, the price isn't worth it for this caliber player. Like somebody made a joke, like, oh yeah, they're going to acquire the 19th best player in the league to be the 19th best team in the league. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just like, it's a joke, but I mean, it's, it's not entirely off base. You know, yeah. it's, it's, that's the problem with it. Two other names, just two other names, because Brutus mentioned Giannis as a possibility. There's a very strong possibility. It's been a lot. It's been rumored that a guy that, well, we stole his partner in Dallas. Doncic might want out of of, of Dallas. The window for the Suns yeah. is running out. So Devin Booker, if he wants to stay there, I don't know, but he might want out as well. So there's a possibility of getting those guys as well. And we, we, we need to pay attention to that. And because Lucas happy, well, it was happy-ish, but Dallas hasn't provided anything to him. Another name, SGA. So, Lucas might SGA be a possibility as well. finally yeah. decide he wants out. Yeah, oh, how much losing is he going to want to take, uh, deal there with, you, you know, still, you with know. With Presti? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the, forever, the perpetually tanking thunder. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, just kind of wanted to get into a couple of these odds and ends real quick. Uh, Brutus, I was on a space uh, a couple nights ago, and uh, you were talking about the coaching situation here. Yes. And obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people have kind of thought that, you know, Tibbs is – a fast burning candle, I guess is the best way to, to put it. Right. You know, That's a, good a lot one. of times, <laughs> yeah, the players just get tired of him and they just kind of are just like, oh, I'm done with this guy. And he ends up, you know, overstaying his welcome. So a lot of people have assumed that Johnny Bryant's kind of that next guy, but you had mentioned a different route, which was going after Villanova's former Villanova coach, Jay Wright. Jay Wright. Um, so I guess to kind of get into that, what do you see the advantage of that or or would it be like Patino 2.0? Well, Jay Wright to me just brings a, a different cachet than a Johnny Bryant would. I mean, he's well-respected. He's a guy who has won at his level at, at collegiate. The reason why I believe that his uh, fit in the NBA might be kind of seamless is because his offense that he ran at Villanova was very NBA-esque, you know, and he would get his floor general that he had at Villanova back with this team in Jalen Brunson. I mean, and there's a good chance more than not that this team will go out and sign, if we did receive Donovan Mitchell, sign his good buddy, who is Eric Paschal, who is at, right now a free agent. Now, those two guys from Villanova come in here and Jay uh, Wright come in here even at 60 years old, Jay Wright has dealt with nothing but kids. So he knows how to deal with a younger player element way better than a, a Tom Thibodeau, 64-year-old Tom Thibodeau, who is old school and really loves vets. Jay Wright is natural sweet spot is young kids because that's what he coached in college. So... I just think it would be a seamless transition for him. I would have to believe that after a year out of the game, he would get that itch like every ex-coach gets that itch to want to get back on the sidelines again. You know, whatever it is that he took the time off to go and do, at certain times it gets to be, I've done enough of this. Okay, now let me go back. And I think the Knicks would be the kind of job that he would be very open to. Uh, coming in, and I believe that he could be very successful here with the right pieces. And having Jalen to start those pieces and, and for him, I think would be a great head start. Nothing against Johnny Bryan, but he has zero head coaching experience, period. I mean, you'll want the New York Knicks being your first head coaching job, let's be honest, man. You know, you want to take over like, uh, like, like, a smaller market team like an Orlando, maybe, or like, like a Utah, you know, like uh, the guy from Boston just did, you know, he got a pretty long-term deal. So you kind of can make your mistakes along the road and, you know, you can't just walk in and like the Lakers hiring Darvin Ham, I thought was super interesting because yeah. you don't usually see that, you know, like the Clippers hired Ty Lu, proven coach as an example, you know, so those big high profile markets, you kind of want that experienced coach 
Uh, Rafa, was there like any coach that you would have your eyes on uh, to replace Tibbs uh, if he uh, was to be let go? I mean, I'm, I don't really know. It's uh, It depends on what we evolve into. And I, I, normally teams, uh, I've mentioned this before, have a two-stage with, with coaches, two different coaches. A coach that builds up the team and then basically uh, – I, I use this example a lot, Golden State Warriors. He had Mark Jackson to right. build that team. And then you traded that coach for another, Steve Kerr, that made him go over the hump and win championships. And I think the Knicks is, a, as, you, as we stand right now, a three-coach job. So I understand, I, and I uh, I get the point Brutus come over with. Uh, we had Tibbs, who... And uh, Homer hates this, uh, this this word I'm going to use. He brought a bit of culture as well. He helped with that culture with the team, with the Knicks. Not only the Tibbs, but, well, the front office as well. So we were we were deeper, a deeper rebuild because we needed to, re- to well, wash our faces. Let's call it like this. So we had the Tibbs. That, I think this is the last year Tibbs with, as a, a head coach of the New York Knicks. Three-year job. He did it. But, you uh, know, we know they picked up well, first on his contract. Yeah, but I think he's going to pay him the two years to go away. <laughs> well, that's a New York way, Brutus. You know, yeah, I don't. I, that's true. Well, true. Dolan has the money. Dolan, Dolan care, has the man. Money. You know, uh, like he, he doesn't give a fuck. You know, he'll just he'll fire a coach if he wants to fire a coach. Um, for me, uh, I look at exactly. it like, you know, you 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 mentioned about how the, the two stage thing where a lot of times you'll kind of hire the opposite, you know, of of way like look at Boston, perfect example. They have Brad Stevens, his college coach, small school, and it looks like he's kind of capped his ceiling. And they bring in like this more hard-nosed, defensive-minded coach in, in Ime Udoka, you know, it is kind of like that next step. Uh, for me, a coach that I was always like keeping my eye on for the past few years was uh, was Becky Hammond when she was with the Spurs, okay. uh, now in the WNBA okay. uh, with the Aces. I like that. And – like she used to play in New York for the Liberty when they were still at the garden and uh, had a really good productive career, scrappy as a player, scrappy as a coach. And I think she would be able to relate a lot to a guy like Brunson, especially. Yes. And even a guy like Randall, if he, if he was still around, you know, yeah, no, and, no, no, no arguments for me. I love yeah, that. I w- and the PR win that you would get for James Dolan for hiring the first female NBA female. head coach. Yeah, it would, would be through the roof. But uh, to your point, Rafa, I think... Not Goldberg, but we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Wouldn't that be a lot of pressure as well, having his sh- first coaching job? Yeah, it's, 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 point that's the problem. I mean, Joey, her Joey being Bryant. a head coach in the WNBA helps. In, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, yes, not, it it's not the same. Not the same, obviously. Yeah. And she has coached for long stints in with the Spurs when Pop was, you know, taking leaves of oh. absence and things of that nature. Yeah. She was like the 1A basically over there in San Antonio. And so that's why I think I would make an exception there. Whereas like, I, I didn't follow Milwaukee enough yeah. to see how much activity Darvin Ham got, like how much of the keys he got from Budenholzer in, in Milwaukee. So really make an assessment there. But I don't know. I, I think that she has the goods and I thought I like she's that. had the goods like for that. years. I, I, I would have no, no qualms with Becky Hammond being the head coach yeah. of the the Knicks. I think it would be like you said. It's a it's a PR's dream. I mean, oh man, yeah, you, know, you know, maybe it's because I work in marketing, Brutus. I just I see that appeal immediately. You know, so automatically um, Dolan's whole thing becomes. Yeah, I mean, who could say now that they wouldn't want to work for Dolan after he hired the first women woman head coach? I mean, not come to on. mention when he now the Fisdale era was a disaster. We all know this, but it was, totally if I'm bad. not mistaken, the first all black front office. Uh, yes, from, was, from yeah. coach and general manager, the president of operations. So, you know, that's always, you know, so it's not like Dolan's been like this weird prude, uh, no. good old boys club type shit. He's not a good no, old he's not boys really club like that. guy. No, he's definitely yeah. have reached out uh, along the line. He just been getting the wrong people for whatever reason. I yeah. mean, he's tried with Isaiah Thomas. Phil he's Jackson. tried, you know, he even went to our old, our old, uh, you know, person who won championships here as a player and Phil Jackson, who was the, I mean, guru of everything, you know, top coach of all time, you know, and tried to make him an executive. And we see how that turned out. I mean, 
He's tried and tried, made Steve Mills, gave him the position, you know, who was, who was his longtime, you know, confidant or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it just it hasn't worked out for him. But, I, I, you know, but the one thing that he really got the, the most flack for was, well, of course, during the, the uh, Isaiah Thomas era, that whole Anuka Brown Sanders yeah. situation, that was horrible. And, um, you know, further back when he got involved with the mellow trade, when Donnie Walsh was trying to play poker like Leon Rose is doing now with Denver at that time for the mellow trade. And uh, 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 Dolan just said, the heck with that, you know, here. Pushed all the Get chips him. to the yeah. to the middle, and and made the deal. You know what I'm saying? And lost. You know, so if Dolan stays out of it, you know nobody could really continue to to bash him the way that they have. He's been a maverick for, you know, pushing people of color up into managerial upper managerial positions, and he doesn't get enough credit for that. Yeah, I mean, you see Allen Houston uh, moving up in the ranks within the organization. Spreewell still involved with the organization as well. So the the playbook and the the track record is there. Um, I did want to kind of close. We we talked a little bit about Julius Randle throughout, so I guess we could close the episode uh, talking about him as well. So let's. <laughs> I, I, it seems like it seems like he's not going anywhere because his value has cratered. Nobody wants him. OK, we, we know this. And I, I always just find, you know, obviously, you know, counting stats are incredibly flawed, but it's like no team is going to talk to can talk themselves into 2010 and five. I mean, I, I don't know, but, you know, whatever. But um, so let's say he's not traded and let's say OB isn't traded in a Mitchell trade or maybe a Mitchell trade doesn't happen. Can they coexist? OK, can they coexist? You know who have, holds the cards to them coexisting? Yes. Tom <laughs> Thibodeau. Yeah. Now, Tom Thibodeau said some very interesting oh, things at the end of the year last year about how he wished he had uh, played the kids earlier and trusted them more or uh, anything of that nature. You know, I'm just paraphrasing. But he was saying something to that effect. Because he decided that he didn't want to give these kids ample burn. The only way that these two guys could exist in this right down time is that Julius Randle cannot be a 40-minute game a game player anymore. Cannot be 40 minutes for what? If anything, he was run down to the ground. A lot of people are trying to play, blame his poor statistics on his conditioning. I had one guy in the space talk about like, oh, Julius came in heavier than he was in his MIP year. And that was the reason why, because Tibbs wanted to play him 40 minutes and he just didn't have the stamina to do it. Bro, ask out of the game. I've seen guys do it. You know what I'm saying? If you're tired then you can't really, uh, you know, play at an optimum level, ask out of the game. But for Obi to be here with Julius, he's going to have to cut, Julius minutes to 28 maximum 32 minutes a game because Obi has to at least play 18 to 20 minutes a game. If Obi Toppin can't get 18 to 20 minutes a game, then I don't see how the fit works. It's true. It's uh, we've been talking. We 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 said this all throughout last season. If Randall wasn't doing, and it it was a th- the tips thing. How they're gonna play through it, and that held back uh, other guys that could have played more, uh, even quickly instead of Fournier, uh, Grimes more, Cam, um, it's Obi. It's a uh, great thing with uh, it's uh, the main focus here with in comparison to, to Randall. Maybe playing Randall a little less would help him be more optimal when he played. So that's uh, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And you saw the end of the season when Randall stopped trying as hard on offense, especially that he uh, improved a bit when, especially when he started delegating to, to, to RJ more and well, RJ is 21. And so it's a run, well, not, not at Randall's a, uh, an old guy, but being heavier, it, it no, it's noticeable as well in, on your body playing 40 minutes every single night. 
and that's what where the, when he was at. And we, you, I think it was a, a few minutes ago. You brought us. You said it, we, we, the teams at uh, at closing games we couldn't close because we didn't have Derrick Rose. Maybe fatigue was a factor as well. Maybe if we played other guys, the young guys, a bit more in the second quarter, in the third quarter as well. Because or the beginning of the fourth, I, I think I always said is why are our best players starting the fourth quarters like when every other team's best player isn't starting the fourth? They enter with eight minutes right. or seven minutes to go. So in the NBA level, running up and down the court, those five minutes can make a difference. Especially if you go forty and the, the other guy's top team goes thirty-two minutes. Yeah, so, can't play over yeah, nine minutes. I don't think they. Anymore. I think they can can't coexist. Oh. Let me uh, jump in with uh, some true. Julius Randle propaganda. Um, so, so here's the thing. I agree with you guys. He shouldn't be playing 40 minutes a night. Now, when, when Julius is at his best, I think, is when he's just this battering ram getting to the bucket, you know? Yes. Because he, he's so strong upper body true. that most of the guys who are guarding him really can't, can't handle it when he, when he gets them inside. And, you know, that's exhausting, you know. So if you're doing it for 40 minutes a game, what you end up with is a lot of ISO Julius step back, missed threes, right? And step back, fade away threes. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> From the, the mid-range over 6'3 guys. <laughs> yeah, like just – so if you pay, play him 30, 31 minutes a night instead of 40, then you just say, hey, just get inside when you're on the, on the floor. Now you have a, a proper point guard to get him the ball to get him into position. It's not a situation where you're relying on an out of position, Alec Burks or RJ setting up the offense who isn't really a playmaker yet. And, or you're giving it to Julius to set up on the three point line. That's just not his strength. Julius, you get a, get the ball to him deeper into the post. He gets into work and you give him those 30 minutes. You bring in Obi for the other 18. And uh, he, he gives you that, that different versatility where hitting that corner three running up for lobs to, and just giving you max energy for 18 minutes. Uh, but that brings it up to another kind of a talking point during summer league when a few of the Knicks were at the games and, you know, Julius looked like super slim down. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's been, you know, putting in work in the off season and it, a lot, it caused a lot of people to wonder are they going to try like five minutes a game of this guy playing like a wing position just to get Obi more run? So what do you think about that possibility? It's a possibility. Um, many people shot down that possibility, but they have to. And it, there's, there's no other way to get Obi the minutes that's necessary unless, they, you know, they play. But then again, now, what does that do to the backup wing? What does that do to the... You know, if Cam or or even Grimes is here, you know, I just can't see the rotation being as big as it was with the type of players that we have. Um, if they want guys to get the proper minutes, he has to go to basically an eight to nine man rotation tops. Nine is tops and the ninth guy isn't getting too much burn. You're looking at an eight solid guys, each playing all about 25 to 30 some odd minutes, you know, hopefully nobody over 35, you know, cause I think that would be, you know, insane for him to do. And it's what he did last year with poor Alec Burks playing him 35 minutes as a point guard when you could have been playing Emmanuel quickly more time or even Deuce McBride getting a few minutes showing that when these guys was on the court, showing that they are positive players, you know, as far as, plus minus and in just their play in general, they're positive players. Um, so yeah, I could see them doing it though. Yeah. On, on, on occasion, uh, Julius at the three, Obi at the four, maybe there's certain wings they could, you know, switch off on depending on strength guys compared to another long guy. But now what does that do to the backup minutes for either IE a cam reddish? If, um, if uh, Donovan Mitchell is here, you see, Donovan Mitchell just really throws off the whole whack of the whole idea of what they of what what they could do with the squad that we have right now. We'll be giving up that length. We'll be giving up shooting. All of those different things go away because we want one guy because he has the name of All Star next to him, three time All Star, 
yes, very clutch player in the playoffs and all that good stuff, but his team still never went past the second round. Is it worth what we're going to give up as opposed to what we get from the guys that we have here? Somewhere on the line, something is losing out. <clears throat> Mitchell is a high-minutes player. Brunson is a high-minutes player. Julius Randle is a high-minutes player. R.J. Barrett is a high-minutes player. Those four guys are eating up 30 to 33, 34 minutes of every game. Mitch, on the other hand, is, is ancillary. He'll probably play 26 minutes a game, 30 on a really good night. But for the most part, those other four guys are eating up the majority of your playing time. But they would do it. You know, if Obi got to get some time, it's the only way they could do it. I have two points here. Uh, one of them, uh, we have been talking it about it a lot. It's about Donovan Mitchell. And I will just say this. And move on. The idea of getting Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks is so big because yes. he is from New York. If he was from Indianapolis, if he was from Toronto, if he was from uh, I dropped this name in the, in the group chat this week. If he was from <laughs> Saskatoon, no one would give a damn. No one would give a damn. Oh, it's a guy. It's a, yeah, it's a star. Maybe he's not the greatest fit, but he's from New York. He's he goes to, to he goes to Mets games. So. It's a big thing for New York fans to have New Yorkers That's play true. with the New York Knicks. Uh, I'll just leave this. And the other thing, the idea, they won't give Obi minutes. So instead of benching Julius Randle for five more minutes or six more minutes, they want to play him at the three. <laughs> Taking up minutes from Grimes, from Cam, from Fournier, even from from quickly, if you if you still have Rose, so you do not need to play him forty minutes. If if the idea of, of him slimming down was to play him at the three, that to me is crazy. <laughs> that to me does not help the the narrative with with Julius Randle at all. If he plays at the three, the fans will go at him and will go at Tibbs and go at. Well, who the managers who, who thought of this? We don't need 40 minutes Never. of Julius Rand. If we can play him 36, 34, 33, whatever, give more oh, oh, run it Obi. If he is sitting, can you imagine slimming down? Oh, no. Oh, nah. Mm, how do we get more minutes to this player? Okay. J uh, J Randall, slim down to play the three. Oh, my God. I. <laughs> Yeah, just my two things. Just oh my god, the idea is ludicrous. To me. I agree with you. Uh, let, let me let me close out on this. Um, so, Prudis, looking at the team as it is now, let's just say no Mitchell trade happens. Utah hangs on to him for a year, uh, for another year. What what do you what do you think the final win total will be for the team now that the roster seems kind of set? So many different things would have to happen. You, you'd hope that um, RJ takes another step. You hope that if Cam Reddish is now in the lineup, that he starts to deliver some of the goods that we believe that he has. Um, I know that Jalen Brunson is going to be solid, so I'm not worried about him. Will Julius Randle accept the role below being a number one or number two option? Will he accept? I mean, we gave him so much offensive responsibility over the past few years. Why don't we try to challenge him with a defensive responsibility as opposed to offensive responsibility and make him hang his hat on that end? Will he even consider doing that, becoming more like a Draymond Green than a Camaro Anthony that he's trying to be? Could he do that? Play make from the top of the key. Hit a three every once in a while. We know he should, probably could be better at going to the basket. So we know he could probably score better and more than a Draymond Green. But will he sit down and play the defense? And he could be a very vital part of this team if he took that role and embraced it and claimed it as his own. He could be that guy. But we're talking about Julius Randle. So I don't know if that's actually going to be the case whatsoever. So, um, yeah, uh, I think win total, 42, 
42 and 40 uh, with the squad. That about right to me. Yeah, if it's if it's as we are uh, currently co- constructed, um, if some things go right, like I said, maybe we could push to forty five. The same, I think they have the same ceiling as far as seating, anywhere from six to. Um, I think they'll definitely be a plan, but I think that they actually could be a six, seven, or eight um, with the, with this squad without getting Donovan Mitchell and trading all those picks and and two or three or four of our young kids. I think we we could be looking at pretty much the same the same uh, production. Absolutely agree. I was thinking that uh, uh, the, this our ceiling of total wins will be forty five, and you well you said it. It's a, around that area. I think we're going to be a can be a around five hundred team. Uh, better than a 500 team a bit it depends if we can uh, go on a, a run if we can go on a set a few a few games uh see what uh rj gets us what quickly gets yeah. us if you look at it our guys uh our main players they're not that uh injury prone randall plays a lot rj uh quickly doesn't get it uh, obi got a few when the, at the beginning of the season with his first season uh, Fournier played a lot of games as well, and so it, they don't seem that injury prone. So I'm okay on on that front. Um, so, but with the with the team we have now, with the, if they develop the way we think they can develop quickly, uh, Obi, uh, even Cam, if he gets stays here and gets playing time, can uh, well improve, can do more than what he did last year. I think we can still be a very competitive team, and from what I saw last year from Julius Randle ending of the season, just giving the ball to, 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 to RJ Barrett, I'm not concerned about him being a lesser, uh, having a lesser role. I think he embraced that role because there was no one else to do that. And he got an MVP like season. He got MVP votes. I'll never stop saying this. He got MVP votes two years ago. So it's obvious that the, the year, the year after, I think you finished eighth Sorry? in the um uh, in the um MVP voting in twenty one. I think it was so. Yeah, it was something like that. So, but he still had that type of season. So, you have to be happy with that guy. And basically, you had to bet on him last year. It it didn't work out as well because teams were more involved with him defensively, the double teams and everything that everybody's mentioning. It, so that's why. I think Julius is ecstatic at the possibility of Donovan Mitchell coming up, coming over because double teams will go away from him. They will go to Donovan Mitchell and Randall will have more space to operate. So in the one, one hand, Rand, RJ doesn't probably doesn't necessarily want Donovan to, to come here. R- Randall desperately wants to because the light would be off of Julius Randall exactly. into Donovan Mitchell. Agreed. So it's uh, uh, just a, uh, but well, I think we'll even if we don't get Mitchell, we'll be a playoff team, play in playoff team. I'm pretty, I'm pretty. I sure. think we'll be better defensively. That much I could tell yeah. you. I think we'll be better defensively without Mitchell on the squad. True, true, true. Uh, you know, well, without yeah. Kemba, so. <laughs> I I agree with you guys. Uh, I think <laughs> this team, you know, feels like a play in team. Uh, 41, 42 wins. You, you're hoping again if things are as constituted that Julius benefits from having a a steady point guard. Brunson thrives in his role as the primary ball handler and RJ takes the next step uh, as face of the franchise. And, you know, you hope that gets you in between that 42 to 45 win range, hopefully, you know, gets you closer to the sixth seed than the 10th seed. But uh, yeah, I think like the, the, the direction is good here, you know, it, whether they get Mitchell or not, I think the direction is good. Um, But that is going to wrap us up uh, for another episode. Uh, Brutus man, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me, man. It was, it's been a blast, no doubt. Yeah. So just want to throw out, make sure to follow Brutus at on Twitter at B true to life. I'll link that in the description. 
Yes. Make sure to check out his spaces, Nicked Up, which are yep. always a great conversation. So uh, definitely follow Brutus for that. And again, if you like good uh, Nick's content, good Twitter space content, good conversations, uh, make sure to follow him over there on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well at WW Nick's podcast, uh, where, you know, we kind of engage in a lot of these uh uh, crazy discussions about this basketball team that we irrationally love. <laughs> but, totally. but, for, but again, Brutus, thanks for hopping on. Oh uh, thanks you, everybody. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Worldwide Knicks, we'll catch you guys next time. Mm-hmm.